Well, last week I began a new sermon series uh, going through the New Testament book of Philippians, which was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he started in Philippi. Uh, he started it about the year 60 to 64 AD. It's, I'm sorry, he wrote the letter about 60 to 64 AD. It started the church 10 to 15 years before that. Uh, and I've called this sermon series To Live as Christ and to Die as Gain, which is a verse uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Last week, we looked at the first two verses, looking at why anyone would identify themselves as a servant of Jesus Christ above everything else, why that would be the primary identity that Paul chooses for himself. Uh, And this morning, I want to continue looking at verses 3 through 8. And so I'm going to go back to verse 1, start there, and then just read up to verse 8 this morning, and we'll talk about that passage. Here we go. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is God's word. Let me pray before we continue. Lord, we ask that you would open our ears and open our hearts to hear, to receive, to be transformed by your word this morning pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about you, but when I read that passage, one of the first things that jumps off the page is the affection, the, the sincere and the earnest affection that he has for this people at the Philippian church. He thanks God for them. He always prays with joy for them. He's confident of good things for them. He has them in his heart. He longs for all of them with the affection of Christ Jesus. It's not just clever words that he's stringing together to manipulate them towards some selfish end. This is, this is rising up from within. There's something about the experiences that he has shared with these people that just cause him right off the bat to just well up with this affection, this sincere and earnest affection for them. And so what is it about this passage? What is it about these relationships that can teach us this morning? What is it that aroused this kind of affection in Paul? What can it teach us about our own faith and relationships? So when I think about what aroused this kind of affection, I think there's two levels to that answer, and I want to start in the lower level and then move up to the upper level. I want you to begin just by thinking about the people in your life that you would consider friends. Who comes to mind when you think about friends? And what is it that would separate the genuine friends in your life from the fair-weather friends? You know what I mean. The genuine ones, the ones who are true, deep friends, and then those who are kind of more maybe friends, acquaintances, companions. I think often it comes down to suffering and sacrifice, right? It's like when you go through suffering, it's one of those things that distinguishes the true friends from the Facebook friends, the thousand friends that you have who might not necessarily show up at 3 a.m. when you're in need, who might not sacrifice their time, their energy, their money to be there for you in times of crisis. There's a difference between 
the fair weather friend and the true and genuine friend. And the true and genuine friend is the one who sacrifices for you without even thinking. The one who's there for you in times of suffering. I was reflecting on this this week as I, I, as I just thought about Paul's affection that he has. And I looked back on my life, you know, at those few people, those precious few people who've been willing to just go above and beyond to be there for myself, to be there for my family. Think of 10 years ago when I was going through a, a really difficult time in my own life and my own marriage and how one gentleman in this church named Paul would come over at night because we had young kids and it was hard to figure out how to get counseling and, and how to make that happen and we were just struggling. And it was Paul who would come over and spend two to three hours just there listening, just letting us process with a third person there just to help us try to figure things out and work through things. Some of you know Paul and some of you might even know that it was one of the nights that he left our house that he wound up getting in a motorcycle accident and broke his leg. That's the kind of dedication we're talking about. There's another friend, Jim, around the same time, who cared for us and for our family so much that he would give us gift cards and say, let me watch your kids so you guys can go out and just spend time together as a couple. Just incredible friends. There's friends in this, in this room as well who've been there for me, for our family, whenever I needed to call someone and say, please, you know, I need someone to talk to, someone to process with. Those who've been willing to walk through times of difficulty, willing to sacrifice, willing to go through suffering with me. Those are the people who I say, I thank my God every time I remember you. I don't need to like craft those words. They just well up from within, right? The people you look back at your life and you say, those people walked through me, walked through with me, stood by me through the darkest times, were willing to sacrifice, were willing to give of their time, their energy, their money even, to care for me, to care for my family. It's like the proverb says in Proverbs seventeen seventeen: a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Or Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In case you're unfamiliar with the life of Paul, his life was filled with adversity. It was filled with suffering. Listen to one passage where in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul he writes in response to a group of people who are doubting his authenticity as an apostle. And so he takes the time to kind of outline what he's been through as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? How's that for the list? So again, when you talk about how true friends are those who are there with you through times of suffering, those who are willing to sacrifice for you, 
that those are the friends who cause that intense and earnest and sincere affection to well up within you and just say, I thank my God every time I remember you. I pray with joy every time I pray for you. I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is where it's coming from for Paul. Life has been hard. He has gone through so much pain and suffering and trial in his discipleship of Jesus. And plenty have abandoned him. Plenty have just not wanted to be seen with him. Plenty of them have just gone the other way. But some have stuck by him. Some have not disavowed knowing him. Some of them have still given and supported and been there for him, even in prison. Why does Paul express such deep affection? On the lower level, I would say that they have been true friends. They have walked with him through the challenges that he has faced. But there's a higher level here beyond just friendship that Paul is referring to as well. He uses the term partnership in the gospel in Philippians 1 verse 5. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for always, all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So beyond just friendship here, he's saying, you have partnered with me in the gospel from the first day, from day one until now, from the first day you were converted until the day that I find myself in a Roman prison now, you have stuck by me. You have partnered with me. You've defended the gospel alongside me from those who've attacked it, from those who've tried to destroy the work of Jesus Christ. You have stood by me. You've confirmed the gospel, which is a reference to discipleship, confirming the gospel in men and women. You've been a part of the discipleship work that God has called me to. You've stood by me even when I'm in jail. You haven't forsaken me, left me alone. You've trusted that God is in this, that this imprisonment is a false imprisonment. And so he prays with joy and confidence because they have partnered with him. And he's going to continue as you go through Philippians. You're going to see this theme again and again a few more places in verses 18 to 19 of chapter 1. He says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I know you guys are praying for me through this. Philippians 4.10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Again, he's thankful that they've shown in tangible ways, they're concerned for him. And then he goes on in verse 14 to 16, talk more about that. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Again, go back to that list all the things that Paul has been through, all the suffering, all the trials. Plenty of people have deserted him. Plenty of people have said, this, I'll go this far and no further. But the Philippian church, he says, they have stuck by him to the end. They have partnered with him to the end. They were the only church, he says, that was still supporting him when he was in need. And so it wells up from within him. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. In case you did not realize it, 
other than Nicole, our nursery worker, I'm the only one who's paid to be here today. I'm the only one receiving a salary to be here today, except for our nursery worker who gets paid to be here. Not one of you needs to be here. Do you know that? In this church, we preach salvation by grace. We believe the message of the Bible, the message of Jesus Christ, is the message that you are saved by the grace of God, the gift of Jesus Christ, not by your works, not by anything you've done, as it says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, not one of you is earning your salvation by being here today, that God does not have a heavenly attendance list by which he is checking off your name, and he's going to balance it out in the end to see how many days you were in church. We have people right now serving in the Sunday school classroom, in the nursery, people who showed up early to greet you, to work in the booth back there, to lead worship, to prepare coffee ministry, to provide fellowship for you, people who clean the church, people who are leading community groups throughout the week, people who serve in innumerable ways, just caring for each other. And not one of them is getting paid to do it. No one needs to do it in order to earn their salvation because salvation is a free gift of God's grace. I remember once going to my brother's wedding and it was at a Catholic church and one of my relatives, as he came up to receive the mass, I heard him say to the priest, does this count? And I, at first I didn't know what that meant, but then, oh, he's asking like, do I need to come back on Sunday or does this count for the week? Again, as if that's the way God handles things, right? That he's keeping attendance and making a list and making sure that you've done your duty and if you do these things, then you will get into heaven. It's not the way it works. That you are saved by grace. That he has paid the penalty, Jesus, for your sins, past, present, and future, by his death on the cross. And so not one of you needs to be here in order to earn favor with God. Not one of you needs to give up your time, your money, your energy to serve and earn any salvation from God. Which tells me, if you are here today, and you believe in salvation by grace, that you get it. It tells me that you understand the gospel. That you're here because you want to be here. You serve because you want to serve. You give because you want to give. Not because you're trying to earn salvation, but because he has saved you. Because Jesus gave his life for you. He gave everything for you. He laid down his life for you. And you want to love because he's loved you. You want to give because he's given to you. You want to serve because he has served you. You want to bring him glory. You want to honor him. You want to love your neighbor as he's loved you. You want the world to know that he is God. That he's good. My point in this, to go back to this passage, is that I am so thankful for each and every one of you and your partnership in the gospel. You don't need to be here. There are plenty of better churches out there. You don't need to be here on a Sunday morning. There are other things you could be doing. You don't need to give your money to this church. There are other places you could be putting your money. You don't need to spend your time serving here. There are other ways you could use your time. 
but you have chosen to be here. You have chosen to love these people. You've chosen to serve each other. You've chosen to give to what God is doing here. And for that, I am thankful. I thank you. Those of you who have sacrificed, who've suffered, some of you have been here for years and you've been through storms at this church and you've weathered them and you've stuck by me, you've stuck by us, you haven't given up. And some, God moves on and that's, that's between them and the Lord, that's okay. But I am just grateful for you and I thank my God for you and your partnership in the gospel. How do you distinguish between the true friend and the fair weather friend? When suffering comes, when it comes time to sacrifice, the true friend sticks closer than a brother. The the fair weather friend leaves you, abandons you. It's too hard. How do you distinguish between the genuine Christian, the true Christian, and the fair weather one? See what happens when there's suffering, when it comes to sacrifice. The pseudo-Christian follows God, but when life gets hard, they curse God and give up their faith. Because in the end, it wasn't about God. It was about them. And if God's not giving them what they want, then, oh well, I'll go elsewhere. But the true Christian knows that they're following a Savior, a Lord, who suffered and died for them, who sacrificed everything for them. And so how can any sacrifice be too great? How can any suffering be too great? When I look at what he did for me, what he gave for me, what he laid down for me. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's why Paul then writes these beautiful words with confidence. Chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, he says again, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He looks at this church and he says, I see how you have sacrificed for me. I see how you have gone through suffering alongside me. You have not abandoned me. When it got hard, you didn't turn your tail and ran, but you were there for me. And so I can say with confidence that God has saved you, that God is in you, that his Holy Spirit is in you, that he is at work in you. He began this good work in you. He saved you. He brought you to himself. He's not going to leave you. He is going to see you through to the day of Christ Jesus when he returns. He has got you, and he's going to bring that work to perfection in you. It's just arising out of a place of, I am so confident in your faith because I see how you've reacted in times of suffering. I see how you have sacrificed, and I know that your faith is genuine. So I know God's got you. I know he's at work in you. And I know he is going to bring that work to completion. There's a lot of other things in this passage you can get into about like predestination and free will and our responsibility and God's responsibility. And that theme's going to be repeated. And I'm going to get more in depth into that in one of the coming sermons. Because this theme gets repeated often of how we are at work, but God is at work within us. That God has initiated this work of salvation in us. God is at work by his Holy Spirit in us, and God will never let us go if we belong to him. How do you distinguish between a true friend and a fair-weather friend? 
See who's there for you when you go through times of suffering. See who's there and willing to sacrifice for you when you're in need. And how do you distinguish between the genuine Christian and the one who's just a fair-weather one? See what happens when they go through suffering, when they're called to sacrifice. Who gets the gospel? That they are worshiping and serving a God who gave everything for them to save them. And there's no cost too high to bring him the glory he deserves. Or who is just in it for themselves. And as soon as God's not working out for them, well, they'll just abandon him. To put this into practice this morning, I want to just challenge you in a few ways. In your bulletin, I gave you a thank you card, an envelope. And I want to make it a layup for you, right? Make it easy for you, okay? Instead of just saying, go do this, and then you forget the moment you walk out. Think back on your life. And all the people who are responsible for getting you to where you are today. And some that you have thanked and some maybe you haven't thanked. Some may even know, not even know the impact they've made on your life. Because you've never told them. Paul begins this letter by just expressing to them how thankful he is for them. For their friendship, for their partnership in the gospel. And can I encourage you, take that thank you note. And write a note of thanks to somebody, especially someone maybe that, you know what, I, I've never really told them the difference they made in my life, how thankful I am for their friendship or for their partnership in the gospel, for whatever it might be. Take the opportunity, as Paul did, to thank those who have made a difference in your life. Secondly, is there anyone out there who would look at you and say, thank you for the difference you've made in my life. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you that when things were hard, you did not abandon me, but you stood by me. Thank you for the sacrifices you have made for me. Thank you for how you've served alongside me. I've had the privilege of going to a couple funerals recently. And there, if, there's, if there's one thing I know about funerals, it's, it's that, that's, that, that answers that question, right? You know, you gather and either people are going to get up and they're going to say, I'm so thankful for this person and their life and the difference they made in my life and the way they impacted me and the way they served and the way they sacrificed. Or not many people are going to share because maybe they lived a more self-centered life and they accumulated a lot, but they really didn't impact anyone's life for good. And what are people going to say about your life? How are people going to remember you are you going to have people saying, I thank my God every time I remember you because I know that you stood by me. I know that you sacrificed for me. I know you gave when you didn't have to. That you were there for me when you didn't have to be. How can you live your life in such a way that is a reflection of the gospel of what Jesus has done for you? And lastly, let me encourage you. If you're not already serving somewhere in this body, let me encourage you to consider how you might partner with us in the work of the gospel. This is not the only way out there. There are many ministries out there. There are many ways to serve. There are many missions organizations. But certainly this is one of them. The last couple of weeks specifically, we've had a lot of kids here. We've kind of finally been, you know, COVID, COVID kind of changed things and we're kind of building back up 
Uh, but we have all our kindergarten to fifth graders in one class, which is not ideal. If you have any kindergarten or fifth graders or ever have had, that's not ideal. We would love to have more people willing to serve in that way once a month, once every six weeks, to be able to say, you know what, I will take a class once, or once a month so that we can have smaller classes or we can not have so many kids in one place. Maybe you say, you know what, I have a heart for hospitality and I love to make people feel at home and I, I would love to be a greeter. I'd love to serve in the coffee ministry. I'd love to do what I can to help people feel at home here. Maybe you are willing to serve as a community group leader. You say, There's, I love to read. I love, I love to discuss things. I love to talk about things and I'd love to be a part of that. Maybe you have a gift in worship. You could play an instrument. Maybe you like to write, and you can write in our weekly newsletter, The Pulse. Maybe you just want to clean in the background. You said, you know what, I, I don't want to do any of that, but I, I can clean. I can come in once, every, once a month, once every six weeks, and I can come and help keep this place clean. Maybe you like to call people. Maybe you like to write cards to people. Maybe you're great with the online stuff, helping a church reach out to people online. There are so many ways. God has gifted each of us. And none of you has to do anything here in order to earn salvation. But your giving, your service, your love for others shows that you get it. It shows that you get the gospel. That God gave freely when we didn't deserve anything. He gave his son. And now he just wants us to give, to serve, to love the way he's done for us. So... I'm encouraging and I'm challenging you. If you don't serve anywhere now, just I encourage you, talk to me, talk to one of the ministry leaders, fill out one of those insert cards. Tell me, yes, I'm willing to serve. I want to serve somewhere. I'm not sure where or have some ideas and we would love to talk to you about that. I thank my God every time I remember you. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this church. Thank you for all who have come and gone to partner in the work of the gospel here, to befriend each other. We thank you, Lord. We pray that you would help this church to be a place where people deeply are grateful for each other because they deeply serve each other and love each other and are there for each other in times of need. Help us, Lord, to have your eyes and to have your heart that wherever there are friends or people in need, that we would be there for them, we'd love them, we'd serve, we'd give in a way that displays the beauty of the gospel, the grace that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship team is going to come forward at this time, and I just wanted to mention a couple announcements. Um, First of all, that uh, there are connection cards in your bulletin, and if you're new this morning and you fill out that connection card, drop it in the offering box in the back. There are free books in the Welcome Center on your way out. You're welcome to take a free book as our gift to you for joining us this morning. Thank you for coming and spending your Sunday morning with us. And if you need prayer for anything or want more information about anything, you can use those connection cards to communicate with us as well. And if you're a regular part of this church and you want to give uh, tithes and offerings, again, there's an offering box in the back that you can give to. And if you're watching this online, you can visit our website where you can give or you can connect with us as well. Let's respond in worship.
Amen. Now, for those of you who may feel like, you know what, I just don't feel like I have anyone there for me, anyone who's really that kind of friend, hopefully as you were looking through the bulletin today, you're like, oh, look at all these community groups. Look at all these opportunities there are to get to know people better in this church. There's a Wednesday morning women's group that's coming up this week. For those of you who have mornings in our women. There's a Fight Club men's group that's a men's support and recovery group that meets on Wednesday nights if you're a man looking for that kind of support. There's a Thursday night men's group Bible study that Eric Hasselbach leads. There's a Tuesday group that Tim Cody leads for men and women. There's an opportunity for discussing the sermon every Tuesday night from 8 to 9 over Zoom. There's a Friday night group that Amy leads, that this Friday there's going to be a time of fellowship and prayer for any women who want to come out and spend time in that. There's a prayer meeting every other Tuesday, every first, third, and fifth Tuesday. Hopefully I didn't forget any groups. There's plenty of opportunities to find friends, to find community, to find people who will be there for you. And there's a men's breakfast coming up on the 28th. If you don't want to commit to a group, but you can come for breakfast, love to have you join us. want to make sure that you guys have those kind of friends, that kind of support in your life for whatever it is that you go through. After the benediction, if you need prayer for anything, there will be prayer ministers up front who would love to pray with you for anything that is going on in your life. If you want to just stay in the sanctuary and just meditate on what's been shared, lift up whatever's on your heart to the Lord, you can do that as well. There is a youth group meeting after church behind those curtains. Sixth through twelfth graders are welcome to join them there. Otherwise, please stay. Enjoy the refreshments. Spend some time getting to know each other better. Let me close with the benediction. Now may God fill you with his love, his friendship. Overwhelm your heart with his grace that he gave freely his son and gives freely his spirit to you and gives freely life to you every day. And may that just overflow out of you that you might give and love and serve others in your life, no matter what it is they are going through. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.